Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Neutral Game, a fighting game podcast. I am Colin Detmar, and joining me is Mia Drag. How are you doing? Hello. Um, I am doing all right. I'm ready to podcast. So last month we talked about uh, team-based fighting games, and we mentioned one that was sort of a, a standout in the genre, which is the uh, Gundam EX or Gundam Versus series. And uh, this month we actually are going in-depth with the first entry in the series to reach U.S. shores, uh, Gundam Versus. And e- has it the, the first one to hit EU as well? Um... I can't say that offhand. I can say that there were attempts to westernize the Gundam versus formula, and they failed uh, miserably. Um, specifically, there was Rise of Incarnates and in, um, Early Access um, on, on on PC. I don't know if there was anything on console, but uh, it didn't leave beta because they just shut it off. Uh, it was also made by Namco, but it was literally them just going, oh, Gundam is too Japanese for people. Here's Gundam versus, but with uh, edgelord gods. It seems like the wrong attitude to be like, you know what the problem is with this game? The thing that Westerners don't like is Gundam. Like, Gundam does okay in the States. I don't know why they didn't just do that. I, but... I mean, if you have a problem marketing giant robots with laser swords, millions of rockets, and whatnot, then I, I don't know who can help you. Right? Yeah, no, some, something else has gone wrong with your life. So um, so this series is actually a lot older than that. Um, it's been, I think, since 2003 was the first entry in arcades, and then it made some, there was an entry on the PS2, and they've been putting out games ever since. So this is actually, like, even though this is our first, first exposure to it, this, this subgenre of fighting games, and it is a subgenre, it is pretty, pretty different than any fighting game you've ever played, um, unless you've played Rise of Incarnates, um, has seen a lot of iteration, and this is a pretty refined version of it. Um, so I don't know, the basic, basic like setup of the battle is that you have a big map, a big. They're pretty much all square, right? Um, I think they are actually. No, you're right. They are square. I was about to say circle shape, but I do remember there being distinct corners. Mm-hmm. It might not be an exact square, but yeah, yeah I think they like. I think rectangle. they like uh, like shave the edges or something or something. Um, yes, yes. But, yeah, the, the, the generally rectangular maps um, with, like, different differing, like, heights of terrain and occasional, like, buildings or other structures, some of them destructible, some of them not. Um, maps, at least in the modes that I've played, you cannot pick. They are randomized, which is kind of a bummer because one of them, at least, is complete trash. And the training stage. Yeah. The tra- in every fighting game, the training stage is trash. Yeah, the training stage in this one is, you know, like the classic, like, oh no, it's like the cyber grid, only in this game where terrain matters and you need to be able to hide behind terrain, it's perfectly level, except for four very short, like, like boxes you can hide behind that mm-hmm. are indestructible. Yeah. Um, actually, to just kind of, like, like expand on what, when we say, like, the maps are important, I'd say the closest mainstream buying game where terrain is important that people know of uh, is uh, Smash. Hmm. Uh, but Smash stages uh, function with terrain that interacts with you. Um, I'd say this is closer to a terrain and an FPS, like let, let's say Counter-Strike. Yeah. Uh, you, in, in the mainstay Counter-Strike maps, aside from the chickens, there's not really anything you interact with. It's just like you know a set-up static map and you move around it. Um, 
in this one, it's kind of like that. Um, the rule is basically there are some things that can be destroyed. Um, there's no hard descriptor of what can be destroyed. It's usually like, okay, on this map you can destroy the buildings, but on this map you can't destroy this box-shaped object. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's pretty important in terms of elevation, uh, line of sight, which we'll get onto later. Uh, but it basically, it's not the kind of game that would work well on a flat map. It's not like Smash, Final Destination, I didn't want the map interfering with me. Like, this is basically you trying to take uh, advantage of the layout, the elevation, where you can hide from which angle your attacks are. Like, it makes a difference, like, if, you're, if your character attacks from the left or from the right, it makes a difference whether you're hiding on the left or the right side of the object. Mm-hmm. So, things like that. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you made the comparison to FPSs, and, like, you know, there are maps, there are bad maps in shooters where it's like, oh, this is just a big open space, and it's a sniper's paradise, right? And because of the lock-on system, it's not quite the same idea here, but it is, like, if you are a melee-focused mech, and you're in a map that doesn't have a lot of cover, it's like, okay, well, the map has kind of screwed me. Yeah, um, we'll be coming back to the map part as we talk about other aspects of the game, because it plays a big role. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, this game is played has has three modes. Um, it has 1v1s, 2v2s, and 3v3s. I have not played any of the 3v3. I understand it's not very popular. It's pretty new. Um, you and I have mostly played 1v1 because of matchmaking and some difficulties finding good opponents. Um, just the way the matchmaking is built is, is kind of unfortunate, where unless you're doing ranked, you can't party up to find a match. You can't be like, we're two people looking for two opponents, unless you're doing ranked. And it doesn't seem like anyone's playing ranked. Yeah, uh, it feels like this should have been something they should have nicked from uh, Western games. Uh, just let you group up, you know, Overwatch style and queue. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have made finding matches so, so much easier like you could even probably do like stuff you know you play with a random person and you're like hey we had fun why don't you join a permanent group and we just all queue together mm-hmm. instead it's just kind of like okay we had a random match well i'll add you to my friend list hope you accept and then we can play stuff one day again and so now i'm getting like i'm playing the occasional like uh 2v2 game solo queue sort of like late at night i'm like okay i'll play a few matches and then, like, I wake up and I come to my PS4 that I haven't touched in a couple of days since then, and I turn it on and I have friend requests, and I'm like, who are you? And I look at their profile and I'm like, Gundam Versus, this was probably one of my partners. Okay, I guess I'll accept, but it's just like, that's that's the most social interaction I'm having so far. It's it's a clumsy system. Yeah, um, they don't really have a good infrastructure. It still feels like you're just playing in an arcade cabin and connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of wish they fixed that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if this game has has, I don't know. I don't know the kind of numbers it's done. It's done better than I've expected. At least it seems like because I hear enough people talking about it. Not as many as should. It's a great game, but I kind of expected this game to come and go. And maybe if it takes off, they'll they'll take it more seriously as far as the online infrastructure for I don't know a a big version update or a new entry. Who knows. But anyway, most of our experience is 1v1 because we can play each other, and we know that we'll be on basically each other's skill level, and it'll be fun. So, But the balance is kind of screwed up in that way. 
Yeah, I I just like to say that compared to again Smash, but because that's a party based game now, um, well, a, an optional party based game like Smash is usually played one v one competitively, mm-hmm. um, and like two v two is kind of like the outlier. Uh, in Gundam versus, it's it's uh, the opposite. Like one v one is the outlier, and it should be primarily played two v two. Yeah, and there are characters that are. I mean, I don't think any of them are out that I've seen at our skill level are outright outright broken in one v one. But there are characters where it's like this does a little too well in one v one, or there are characters where it's like, wow, without a partner, this one really sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's because they're the characters are highly specialized um, uh, in terms of categories. Whenever you look at the um, uh, mech, you have like five categories, which is uh, melee and range are the two far spectrums, and then you have mostly melee, middle of the road, and mostly ranged. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you have this kind of breakdown, then when you have I don't know, like four moves on average per character. Um, it gets really hard to make it, you know, balanced. It's almost like, again, to use something like popular, like like an FPS. Imagine if you balanced every gun to be good one v one versus each other in a game. Yeah, like it's 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 not gonna work. They're just gonna excel at certain situations, and this is kind of how the mechs work. They they work well in very specific environments and very specific situations. But straight up comparisons don't really scale. Yeah, totally. It's a, uh, it's a little unfortunate, but it's just sort of nece- like a, it's gonna happen. It's it's just an impossible task to balance for both, really. Um. Yep. Yeah, no, I don't think it's the wrong decision. I think if, if they do want to focus on two v two, it is the right way to go. Mm-hmm. So, I guess we should talk about sort of the basic flow of combat real quickly, which is just that um. So there is a super meter in this game, and we can talk about that a bit, but that's not really what you're, like, that's sort of a a once or occasionally twice a match, like, comeback button, almost, or, like, save yourself. The main resource you're using in this game is your boost meter. Your boost meter determines, mostly, your boosting, right? Movement is, like, you have, you can walk around, you can do, like, mini dashes which consume boost you can jump and fly which take boosts and you can do like boosts which is just like you know you're low to the ground your legs are back and you're rocketing forward um and then also certain types of uh, attacks also use boost yeah i believe melee on almost any character uses boost mm-hmm. and also a lot but... of the beam attacks yes uh it's it's probably good to like just think of it as your character's stamina bar, mm-hmm. and anything you're like doing that's strenuous, like uh, yeah, dashing, flying, flailing, stuff like that. That usually consumes boost, and when boost is consumed fully, you're in overheat mode. Um, mm-hmm. Which, if it happens while you're mid in the air, you just fall down like a brick, and you are a prime target to be, um, you know, shot or smashed, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And your boost will automatically start replenishing when you're in neutral, like when you are on the ground and not doing any actions that consume boost, if you're just standing or walking, it will replenish. So you frequently have to just take little pauses to, you know, to catch your breath, right? Yeah, it's one of those things where you want to keep your boost as low as you can get without completely spending it. 
And sometimes, like, a lot of, at least 1v1 especially, I think, a lot of fights turn into, like, battles of who can be the most efficient with their boost. Because the person who runs out first is screwed. Um, kinda. Uh, I, I'd say a lot of encounters we've had relied on that, but you can punish someone who hasn't spent their boost, um... There, there are a bunch of ways to go about it. I, I'll, I'll tackle that later. But it's, it's basically, if you can inter- like if you can predict where your opponent will end up and hit them, or um, if you know the opponent miss times their boost and just lands instead of you know uh, continuing to hover, and pu- you can punish that, and you know you can have almost full boost and be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So basically, as far as your your move set goes, every um you have not everybody has the same options, right? I think every single suit has uh, a ranged attack. I'm pretty sure every single suit has an attack that happens when you hit square, or you know you can configure the buttons, which is just a basic ranged shot. Sometimes it's like a laser rifle. Sometimes it's a machine gun that you hold down. Um, and most suits also have a melee attack, and then you have like other pieces of equipment like your your sub ranged your special ranged your special melee and these are all just variant weapons or options um but your overall move set is fairly like compared to normal fighting games is not that big right yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty simple uh um let me try i'm i'm trying to find comparisons from games people might be familiar with um i'd say black up moba or probably the closest to this, like you have like your set of abilities, and that's kind of what you use in addition to your basic attack. Mm-hmm. And you get some variants of those. It's kind of like I mean, like you know, if for a lot of characters, if you do like, there's a, there's a character who like when you hit the the uh, sub ranged, he fires pistols, right? But then like if you do sub ranged in a direction, he'll flip in that direction while firing the pistols. So you can do modifiers and stuff. Yeah, and there's stuff like charging up an attack, holding down a move, and then, a lot, like, for example, you hold down your sword strike, and the longer you hold down the sword strike, the more it charges up, and then you let go, and it uh, does a powerful move. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it usually works is because because the game uh, has basic buttons, and then it does advanced inputs by doing button combos. Um, so let's say, imagine, like, how in Street Fighter a throw is a punch and a kick at the same time. Um, a lot of these abilities you use are actually macros, uh, they're button combinations, so if you are holding down one button, you are effectively locking yourself out of inputting another button. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 it can be interesting uh, in the way that if your opponent sees that you're not doing a specific thing, he can kind of predict that you're charging your move. Yeah. But also, if you're charging a move, you're taking a gamble of not just being able to use, you know, say, a sword slash, but also uh, associated combo uh, macros. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I end up uh, screwing up a lot, honestly, in our matches, is that I get a little... I'm a little obsessed with charging ranged attacks, and it's unhealthy, and it gets me killed a lot. Because it's like, oh, Colin hasn't shot in a while, I bet he's charging up his shot, and I can just go in. And he's either going to have to let it go... Or, you know, just keep on holding it and hope he can weather the storm. Yeah. I, I I don't know if this is universal. I at least notice on some characters that I use that if you let go of 
um, let's say I'm charging a move and I get hit and I let go of the button, it doesn't go to waste immediately. It just slow, it just starts slowly decreasing, so it lets you try to replenish mm -hmm. it. Yeah, so you can actually, you can start charging while you're being comboed, for instance. You can start charging an attack yes. as the map is loading in. And it will, like, it won't start charging until the match has actually begun, but you won't fire the shot first. Um, it'll just start charging. And also, yeah. there are a few that can store a charge, and you can let go of the button. Yeah, yeah because the game doesn't have, like, this hold down check. Uh, instead, it just assumes the moment you press the button that you want that move. So if you want to charge a, like, a sword swing... Uh, even though the move may not actually be a sword swing when it's fully charged, it'll do a sword swing when you press the button. So it will not do a, like, okay, let me check for, I don't know, X frames, whether this is being held or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the best option is a lot a lot of times is kind of like, is, is buffering, basically, is like starting to charge during a different attack so as to not give away that you're charging. Yep. Um, and also another thing, just to quickly note, it's 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 one of the basics of fighting games that we should keep in mind is that there are going to be moves that you should not use, right? There, like, and not like you can try them in some situations, but like for example, there is um, with I got I played a lot of uh, uh, a Gundam called Barbatos Lupez when I was first starting out, and its charged melee is throwing a like a mace. With a really short range and not very good like homing, and not very much damage and a real small hitbox, and you just shouldn't ever do it. It just sucks. You literally always have better options. I mean, it's kind of true for every fighting game. Like you will have mm -hmm. moves and characters that are extremely situational, or you'll have supers that you shouldn't always use. Like yeah. basically, just because you have a meter in a game for a super doesn't mean you should use the super at the earliest possible convenience. And that's kind of how a lot of the moves in this game work. Um, I want to say, like, like, I played a character called um, Kimaris that has a ability which sets a lot of floating mines. And you don't want to use that all the time because it has a long startup, it exposes you, and it can easily miss. But when you use it, you can use it to great effect. Mm -hmm. It's just one of the traps at, like, I, I think I fell into, and I don't, I'm not faulting the game design, it's just sort of what my brain did, um, is I was like, well, the, 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 like the moveset is so much pared down compared to a normal fighting game. Obviously, there's no, there's no fat here. All these moves are useful, and I just need to find a use. And sometimes that's true, and certainly look for it, but be aware that sometimes you're going to be like, actually, this move just sucks. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but again, um, it's kind of... Evens it's like it evens out because usually when you have useless moves, um, and people don't use them, that means they're less uncommon, and that when somebody's fighting with, like fighting you, they're not gonna expect that move. Mm -hmm. So the one time you use that move in a match, to effect, it's gonna pay off. It's just that it's not meant to be a thing you use all the time. Yeah, and that's true for I think almost any fighting game, for sure. Uh, the other option you have available to you is the strikers, which are which are assists, right? They are a character that you call on. You have a set number of uses per life um, that resets when you hit your super. Uh, we can talk about super, but um, so like for it depends on which one you're using. There are ones that are like, oh, this one's really good, so you only get two uses, or this one's okay, you get three, or this one is also really good, but for some reason you have five, Mio. No. I mean, the one I have is garbage. Um, 
but it's usually moves from um from existing Gundams. Like sometimes it's actually playable Gundams, and it'll be like one or one of their trademark moves that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a practical person, so I only use one, uh, which is the second one I've ever picked, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, uh, Miyadrag uses a lot of the uh, the Zaku assist with throw cracker. Which, uh, yeah, you get five uses, and it's just like an arc throw of a grenade, and if it hits them, they're stunned. And yep. you, you get a lot it's... of mileage out of that. Less than you used to, but still. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been... I haven't been in my A game today when we did our test matches, but... Yeah, it has a lot of uses. It's, um... Again, it's like anything It's interesting. Um, that the... I start off, I use it a lot, I use the great effect, and it starts to getting predictable, then I have to stop using it, and then after a while I started using it again to great effect, so it's probably, it's like, I don't know, parries in video games. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like any move in a, in a fighting game, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like it because my logic of thinking with assists is if they can offer me a utility that I don't have, um, I am happy to use them, because usually a lot of the assists are just, you know, uh, melee attack, range attack, things like that. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's more like, well, stun isn't a common thing. Um, so chances are, if I use this assist, it'll apply to most mechs to be, you know, a thing that they don't have. Whereas if, you know, if I get used to using one assist, which is, I don't know, like a ranged missile attack, as soon as I have a mech, as soon as I'm playing a mech that has a ranged missile attack, that assist becomes less useful. On the other hand, though, um, like, generally, I prescribe to that philosophy. Like, I try and get something that, you know, it's, it's like Marvel, right? We try and get an assist that, that fills out your weaknesses that covers them up. Like, I've got some ranged specialists where I've got this one where, like, I've got a, one that rushes with a sword and knocks you away. And it's like, okay, great. That covers me while I'm doing my ranged thing. But also, uh, one of my favorite striker suit combinations is I, I fly the uh, Throne's Vi which has an attack where it shoots out a ton of drones that, like, fly at you and attack. Uh, Gundam nerds, I know the terminology. I'm trying to keep this simple for folks. And then I have an assist that also throws out drones. Um, And so you throw your drones, and then you throw your assist drones. And obviously that's not covering any weakness, but it means they have to dodge for, like, five seconds straight. And by that point, you know, they're kind of served up on a platter to you. So kind of doubling down on strengths can occasionally be a good thing, too. I mean, again, that's another, like, video game thing you can do. Like, when you're stacking, I don't know, damage, health, or whatever in a video game. To the point where diminishing returns don't kick in. Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. Um, And the other basic mechanic we should talk about um, is the locks system. And actually, I want to get your thoughts, because when we first started playing, I had some... We both had thoughts about the lock system. Um, So basically, in this game, you are always locked on to an enemy. You never lose your lock on, right? Um, Your lock can be green, red, melee, or double if you're playing 2v2. So what those mean are green means... A person is out of range. You can still hit them with attacks, but your attacks aren't going to, like, track them. You're just firing in their direction. Red means they are close enough that you have a, like, a solid lock, and your shots will, to a certain extent, arc towards them and home towards them, but they can still dodge. 
depending on the attack. Some attacks home better than others. A melee lock means you're close enough to do a melee attack. And then a double lock in 2v2s means that your partner is also locked onto the same person. My, my general thoughts on this... I think it serves its purpose because it's an arcade game. Um, and generally, if you have a freeform camera or just like free aiming in a 3D space, you need to accommodate to that input. So that means it, like, unless they had custom arcade cabinets with, you know, double sticks or, you know, just like whatever, something similar, um, that would have had issues. Like, this is not primarily a console game or rather it didn't start as a console game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in that regard, it's a good solution because in a way, there is no reason not to be logged on to your enemy. Like, mm-hmm. there is nothing in the, in, in the environment that you'd want to look over your enemy. Like, it's not like, like you know, like, in, I don't know, again, like, FPS, where you, like, want to be able to uh, see other factors or see, or aim, like, outside of the enemy's area or things like that. Like, this game is very much built around lock-on. The bad thing about it is, I think, the melee, though. You don't like the melee? I think the melee, I, I mean... Fighting in melee feels good. It just the problem is like they they kind of do this thing where the camera pans out like in a more cinematic angle, simply because if if you're doing melee and the camera was constantly just following your enemy, um, like the camera would just be shaking so much you wouldn't be able to keep track of it. But even with that like cinematic angle, there are some weird situations where the camera is just spinning. You yeah, know, like if yeah. a guy is just like straight above you or straight under you, and you're just kind of well like. I have no clue where I am relative to them because the camera won't stop moving. Yeah, we have had, especially especially earlier on, now we just tend to try and avoid those situations much more than we did. But, like, especially earlier on, we would get in a lot of situations that were just, were scrambles, right? Which is like, oh, we're both on top of each other, and because of the situation in the camera, we're not really sure where we are, so we're just going to keep hitting attack and one of us is going to connect. <laughs> yeah, and especially, like, frustrating when... Uh, one of the main ways to uh, do melee engagement is to do side dashes, which is basically you just kind of like do a basically quarter circle uh, sway around your opponent. Um, the issue with that is the opponent can respond with their own, um, you know, little uh, side dash, and then you can re- anticipate their side dash and do your like fake out side dash and you can have this weird thing where you're constantly just going behind each other and then you just lose track who's where and you just decide to press attack because well if i don't know where i am i might as well just press attack maybe i'm in the right spot Mm -hmm. and then you pretend it was all planned well sometimes it is all planned i'm gonna say every time that i've done it has been planned but (laughs) i have done it a few times it was planned but a lot of those situations was just me going I cannot anticipate any farther, so I'm just gonna try and attack. Yeah, fair enough. I'm like, a lot of times I go in and I'm like, I'm gonna dodge twice, and then I'm gonna attack, and then it's like, well, I should have dodged three times, and I'm just like, well, that was that was the plan. I committed to it, and it didn't work. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and another thing worth mentioning though, um, like if you're always locked on, like how do you fight against two people? Um, there's a button that toggles like between your targets. It can be very disorienting as well, because 
the game does a decently good job of telling you if somebody from like behind you um, or outside of your field of view is targeting or attacking you. But it's still extremely jarring when you have like someone in front of you and you press a button and your character does a 180 degree spin together with the camera. Like mm-hmm. it's still very jarring. It's very like you get you get a lot more used to it as as you play some two v twos, but it is definitely like especially watching someone really good play. It's it's almost dizzying because it's just like the camera is just zipping everywhere. Yeah, like like at some point you can probably anticipate. Like I mean, obviously you can anticipate that where your uh, character is going to turn, so you can kind of prepare for it. But it ends up being that you know. Uh, when people get the car sick, you know, you get car sick because you're not, not anticipating the turns that the driver is. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching it, it just looks like a mess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So at the beginning of, of our time with this game, I said basically never shoot outside of red lock, right? I said shooting in green lock is pointless. And, yeah, and I told you that was not true. And And how do you feel now? Um... I'm I'm doing it less, but most because I know when it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's all about how committed are my shots. Like, if my range attacks require a lot of commitment, um, then I don't want to just, like, shoot if I don't know it's going to deny you. It, it's, it basically depends a lot on the character. Like, if... If if I have a lot of ammo on that move, if it doesn't have a cooldown, and if I can like like shoot it just like straight ahead and re and I know I can reload it fairly often, mm-hmm. then yes, I will shoot with a green reticle because I want to deny which direction you're going. Like I don't want you to keep going left. I want to shoot there so I know that you're at least gonna stay where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the weird part about the green thing though, which I haven't gotten to use much, is when you're like threading the range between. Uh, outside of range, aka green range, and within range, which is red range. So when you kind of, like, are at that, like, maximum distance, you can basically punish someone trying to shoot while you're in a green reticle. Because what will happen is, again, if you overcommit to a shot while somebody is green, and they're on the edge of the range, as soon as you start shooting, they can just dash forward, and then their shot will actually track you. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind is there's not as much, like, there's not a huge amount of variance in this, but some mechs have better red lock range than others. Yeah. Some, mechs can, some mechs are in red while you're in green, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> this is a problem. Yep. Um, the other situations I've seen occur, um, I've seen this more with people who are better than me, I don't use this very well, but there's a type of attack that is referred to as a gurobi, which basically just means, like, like, like you're shooting a laser like it's a fire hose, right? It's just like this big, big fucking laser that just burr and does multiple hits, uh, sustained attack. And those are really useful, apparently, from green range because you can, like, they're usually often very wide and they're very unexpected and you can deny area and also randomly clip people with them, even from green. Yep. Uh, and also, um, uh, to tie into the map, because we said it references again, because you have destructible terrain, uh, like objects, like buildings and stuff like that, if you're in green range, but you're behind a building, and you know your, you can see where your opponent is because of the reticle, like you know the general direction, because they can't see your wind-ups though, um, you can basically do like that Gorobi or any other like 
uh, object-piercing attack and just hit them through the object. Mm-hmm. The yeah. only tell, really, is that the ridicule stops moving. Yeah. Like, if, if you see someone behind an object and they're, like, green ridicule is standing still and you know they have those kind of attacks, you can kind of predict it. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the bluffing phase where uh, you're intentionally standing still so they would move to the side because, you know, you aren't actually charging your attack. Yeah, and if you're if you get really attached to that strategy like I do, here's a tip. Really make sure that building's destructible. <laughs> or yes. else or else some attacks will just hit it and do nothing. Some attacks will blow up in your face, as I discovered today, and that was bad. <laughs> yeah. That's also one of those weird things where because my assist attacks from my left side, then I like aim to basically approach someone behind the building from my left so that I can still be behind the building or object, but my assist will actually not be and hit the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 fun. I, I like the way terrain works in this game. It's its interaction with, with the different weapon types is, is pretty fun. Yeah. I also just like it's it's not as like affecting to the gameplay, but it's really satisfying when you do a melee combo and end by like kicking someone through a building. That feels pretty good. I mean, there are also some moments, I think there's a, I don't know what that place is, but there's a, a map with those massive orange tubes, like the glass mm-hmm. vats. Um, when you break the glass vats, all the glass just falls down, and it's not transparent glass, so you can't see through it, which means as that is falling apart, you can be anime as all hell and just rush through uh, all the glass and attack an enemy that didn't expect you to run through. I think that's actually my worst map, because the tops of those those glass things is destructible, but the bottoms is not, and my yeah. elevation game is terrible, and I always get screwed yep. by that. Yep. So. Uh, the other thing we should talk about is the is pretty crucial to the way the game works, which is the cost system. Um, when you pick, like, when you play the game, you have, like, a... Uh, well, like a team HP pool, basically. You've got a team, like, okay, you've got 1,000 units, let's call them, right? And when you die, those units are consumed to respawn your unit, your your uh, mobile suit. Every mobile suit has a specific cost associated with it, which is based on how strong it is. And if you're a 300 cost and you die and you respawn, you cost 300 from your team's total points. If you're a 500, you cost 500. When you run out of points, you lose. Um, yeah, but also if it, also if you have, say, 200 points left and you're a 300 and you respawn, you're going to respawn at proportionally lower capacity. Right, you respawn with two-thirds of your normal health. Um, and so the game, like especially, I think, in the 2v2s, you really have to consider like the cost of your team as a whole. You want like okay, this you're a 500. I can't also be a 500 or else like we're screwed. One of us dies once and then we're both like we're both fucked. Um and it actually becomes like one of the one of the most common mistakes you make. And I have made this a lot as a new person is thinking like, well, I should play like a 300 or a 200 cuz I don't want to be a burden, right? That is super wrong thinking. Like, you, you play what you want, but if you're trying not to be a burden, you should actually play the 500. 
because the 500 has the resources to be effective. The 300's job, more often than not, is to stay alive and not be the first person to die. Because if you die first, your 500 is coming back weak. So you have to stay alive with less tools, and that's way harder. I mean, I like 300 because I hate respawning with less health. If that's you, just me. If you're doing things right, you won't have to. If if like if you have a 500 and a 300 and two V2s, and the 500 dies first, the 500 will come back almost full health, and your 300 is fine, and it's okay. If the 300 dies first, the 500 is screwed. So it's really like... It, you know, you play however you want to play, but just keep in mind that, like, it's not it's not as simple as, like, okay, well, let me pick a 300 and I won't get in the way. It's like, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pull your weight either way. Um, See, my thinking is, like, I'm a 300, I'm not some scrub that needs 400 or 500 points to be good at this game. You'd think, but I no, think the- as as we demonstrated today, sometimes when you're, when you're a 300 fighting a 500, it can feel insurmountable at times oh yeah but also if you win then you feel like a real anime hero that's like true. the underdog that's true it's pretty good it's, it's it's like winning with a joke character in other fighting games yeah and so like generally 500s have better like you know the, their move sets are usually proportional to their cost it's from 500 to 200 500 400 300 200 um and usually your move set is equivalent to your status sometimes uh, you know, mobile suits have disproportionately good or bad for their tier. That's just how balance works sometimes. But what is universal is that they have more HP and more boost as you climb up. So, like, if you're doing, like, you know, like, ranged pokes, like your shoot, dash, shoot, dash, shoot, dash, a 500 will just, if you're, if you're equal levels of skill, a 500 will win that against a 300 basically every single time. Yeah, and also the 500 ones are all the cool mechs, so, you know, Jesus mech, Poncho mech, Pirate mech, Gladiator mech, uh, Golden Savior, Angel mech, basically all the cool ones are 500. A lot of a lot of the really cool, that's my problem, not my problem with the game, but the thing that tempts me really badly is a lot of my favorites are 300s. 300s have some really cool ones. Um a lot of the 500s are, are, are ones from shows I didn't like, and that's a personal problem, but it is a problem for me. Oh yeah, for reference, I, I have never seen an episode of Gundam. I just really like robots. And I, I've seen a lot, and I like I like Gundam. Um, yeah. And the other basic 2v2 concept is sort of forward versus back, or, or, or sometimes melee versus range. It's not always that simple. But basically, you want, at any given time, you don't want to both be on the aggressive at the same time. Because you're going to get in each other's way, you're going to both get clipped by the same AoE attacks, and also you need to kind of control who's going to die first, because probably one of you is going to die. Um, and so you want to sort of like agree on, like, okay, one person is going to play forward, they're going to be aggressive, the other person is going to be in the back and support them. And then when you die, you switch off, because whoever died is probably going to be lower strength. And then they need to play back and play support. Um, and those team dynamics can be really tricky. It is easy to, like if you're playing one of those Gorobi characters, those characters with those huge beams, to be super helpful and clip your team, because friendly fire is on. At 25% damage, but it's still on. You could still totally take your take your partner for a ride with a, with a big laser. 
Um, so be careful about that. So I don't know what, I guess just like talk about some of your, your favorite like characters in this Mia. What have, what have, what has spoken to you? Um, well, so far what I've seen from here is I like having options. So anything that I tried that was strictly melee only or strictly, um, ranged, I just didn't like, I, I don't like not having an option. Um, so I've mostly been doing hybrids on either scale, usually like hybrid uh, melee focus or hybrid ranged focus. It doesn't like really matter. Um, and I've mostly been playing the MK2 um, I, simply because it, it really has all around really good options. Like it has good range, it has good melee attacks, it has a dash in, it has a shield. It, it basically has everything I need. Um, and the other one I've enjoyed playing has been the Kimaris one, who is basically like a centaur mech um, that's pretty melee-oriented, but has an okay machine gun. So that one I most I mostly enjoyed that one because it has a gimmicky uh, landmine move, and I I, I kind of like when I can cover an area or an approach that is not too common. Mm-hmm. Like, I like being it because, like, the mines basically uh, are a good thing to do, like, on the opponent's wake-up or as a immediate response um, for a dash-in, things like that. If you like that, you should try the uh, the Gion, which is the other one I know that has a mine attack. Uh, that one, uh, what it does is it shoots the mines out of its shield as it backdashes, and so, like, as you're rushing in, it jumps backwards and leaves mines where it just was. And that one's that. Oh, pretty is, is, is that is that a knight-looking one? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I saw you play that one. I yeah, I wanted to try that one out, but I kept forgetting. It's uh, it's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I've I've tried a whole I've tried a whole lot of them. I I don't I'm not having trouble settling. Um, partially because I I like the ones I end up like really liking. You then find a way to counter, and then I'm like, oh, okay, let me move on. <laughs> like I was a big fan of uh, Gundam Virtue. Which is this like ranged specialist with like, you know, huge beams and lots of, lots of ranged attacks, but can also like charge to purge off its armor and turn into more of a hybrid unit. But like, you would just immediately close to melee and it'd be like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to purge off my, my ability to be a ranged dominator. And then why am I even playing this guy? Um, so that was, that was kind of screwing me over in 1v1s. Yeah, I mean th- that's kind of why I was I I haven't been branching out as much because usually in fighting games, as soon as I find something that I like, I I just stick with it. This this game, if let's say I were to play it uh, seriously, I'd probably do the thing I do with Overwatch, and that's like learn a mech from every category just to you know have something for the team. Uh, but in general, because I was playing the MK2, I just you know okay, this is very fairly versatile so i'm just gonna see what you're doing and you know bang my head against the wall for a few rounds until i figure out how to counter you Mm -hmm. yeah and it's i don't know it's it's to me it's part of the temptation i don't know you don't you don't seem to have this problem in any fighting games that i that i have which is just like i find the number of options really tempting so i can't settle down just because it's like there are so many different cool things for me to try i don't know i don't i don't this is bigger than Gundam versus, but I don't know how you just how you just stick with one or two characters. I don't know how you do it. 
Um, basically, as soon as I find something that clicks, uh, I I kind of view things as a uh, challenge to overcome. Basically, if oh, if this matchup is really bad, um, I'm just gonna bang my head against the wall until I figure it out. But I that also means I always play characters that have overall decent tools or options, which means like like in Guilty Gear I play Potemkin, but because he has a few matchups that are just obscenely bad, I had to stop playing him because, you know, okay, this is not something I can overcome. So I'm just gonna pick someone that has a few better options. I like to be prepared. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably it for, for Gundam Versus, except for a final um, entreatment. Guys, you should really pick up this game and play with us. This game's really good, and it's like, it's not just that it's really good. If you've been playing a lot of fighting games like we have, it just, it feels really fresh in a way. Like, it's familiar enough. A lot of the concepts, you know, there's there's footsies, there's the neutral game, there's poking and spacing. But it just all feels different enough that it's really refreshing. And I'm I'm really having a great time. I'm I'm gonna do another comparison here. Uh if you don't play fighting games, this is a decent thing to pick up. Um because it's kinda like, oh I don't play competitive shooters, but I bought Overwatch. Yeah. Like th- this it seems intimidating when you talk about all these things, uh, simply because there are like so many universal mechanics that you need to learn as compared to, you know, a hero shooter where it's very character focused mechanics rather than universal mechanics. Um, but it's fairly easy to pick up. Uh, execution, I had some issues with it because of the way it prioritizes, like, multiple button presses, but other than that, you know, if you can click buttons in a MOBA, you can click buttons in this game. It's not really all that complicated, and if you don't even like Gundam, like, I I, I don't like Gundam, I mean, not like, I don't follow Gundam, but I like robots, so Mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. And yeah, but like, I mean, comboing is possibly the most forgiving in any fighting game I've played in years. Like, it's really technically pretty pretty forgiving. Yeah, it's it's just press a button several times, or press button plus, while holding a direction several times. It's 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 really simple to get into, and it's different enough from your standard issue fighting game to, you know, be enjoyable because it emphasizes things that um, you know, Street Fighter, Tekken and Guilty Gear and standard fighting games just don't bother with. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, folks. We will, uh, you can find this, uh, podcast, um, on your RSS feed, whether you're heading that through iTunes or Google Play or, or some other method. You can also find it on YouTube, thanks to Mia Drag's efforts of, of putting it up on there. Uh, can you give us the URL? Like for the, uh, the channel, obviously, not for the uh, specific video. Yeah, it is, it is, uh, youtube.com slash C slash score attack. Um, so if you enter that URL, it'll go directly to the YouTube page and you'll be able to watch the video, unless you're already watching it, in which case uh, the URL to the other feed is uh, downstairs in the description. Yeah, yeah, we'll post it in the, we'll post it in the notes. Um, yeah, and, and, al- and also before we go, um, just want to plug one more thing. Sure. Um, so in December, uh, so hopefully at the day, the, the day this podcast comes out, I'll be doing a fighting game month on stream where i'll be playing through a bunch of uh bunch of fighting games like around half an hour per title so if i manage to play all of them that'll be around 90 games 
the entire month. Probably going to end up being something like 80. Um, but it's going to be good games, bad games, games I'm familiar with and games I'm unfamiliar with. So if you want to check that out, that'll be on twitch.tv slash realsovietbear. Or you can watch the VODs, which will probably end up on YouTube. Yeah, and timing timing will be tricky for me because of you know time zones and jobs and things. But I'll I'll try and guest on as many of those as I can. It'll be a it'll be a good time. Well, so, at least the Blaze Blue one. I hope so. God, I hope I'm not working. Um, but even even if not, you know, even if I'm just like commentating on some some battle arena Toshinden, it'll still be a good time. So. I mean, it's battle arena Toshinden. I'm not sure it's gonna be a good time, but yeah, let's oh, say that Savage. All right. Knives out for Battlerine Toshinden. Yeah. But anyway, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am uh, at MDK Roman numeral 2, so MDKII. I am at S-I-X-T-W-O-S-I-X-F-O-U-R. That is 6264, but as words. And thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Next month. Next month. Bye-bye. Month. Next month, yeah. Please, <laughs> no, no, weekly oh. podcast. Bye. Bye.